Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. The Baltic Sea. It can be flat, it can be stormy. Cold and frozen in the winter, warm with golden beaches in the summer. Surrounded by nine countries, it's busy with shipping, fishing, wind farms, pipelines, cables. It has the promise of aquaculture, new renewable energy developments, tourism and other ocean economies. It's not deep, it's a little over 459 metres at the most, and it covers a little over 400,000 square kilometres. But economically, politically, historically, this expanse of water holds its own in importance. There are ferries and cargo vessels crisscrossing the Baltic, connecting all its literal states, well, nearly all. These ferries and freight vessels, the Roros and Ropaxes as we call them, are hugely important, carrying a lot of the intra-European freight to and from the Nordic countries with their mainland European littoral Baltic partners and neighbours. These vessels are snapshots of Baltic life, and the seafarers working on them are unwitting cogs, cogs in an economic machine that needs to keep on turning, and needing to do so ever greener, more economically and more sustainably. Hi, I'm Craig. If you don't know me, I'm an ex-seafarer, a former mainstream broadcast journalist and now a maritime and shipping journalist. I'm editor of Fathom World and I'm a host of this The Aranax podcast. And this is the first of three episodes as I take a tour of the Baltic on board three Ropax vessels, courtesy of the Finnish shipowner Finlines. Finlines, owned by Italy's Grimaldi Group, has three of its routes opened to passengers as well as freight. They connect Sweden with Finland, Finland with Germany and Germany with Sweden. And it's these three routes that I intend to sail on. Stockholm to Nantley in the southwest of Finland via the Åland Islands and then Helsinki all the way south through the Baltic to Travemunde in Germany and the shortest of the three legs, Travemunde to Malmö in the south of Sweden, where the plan is to get a train back to my hometown, Stockholm. The three legs give me a chance to look at the Baltic, look at the ships, get to know some of the crew, young ones and more experienced ones, and to rediscover modern shipping, and learn about the Baltic Sea today with the help of some regional experts. But before I start, I'm going to mention Sea Focus, and specifically Intelligence Hunt. Intelligence Hunt is a rolling opportunity to connect the next generation students at universities studying shipping, logistics and trade to link with organisations and businesses that understand the needs to find new thinking and out-of-the-box thinking for the modern challenges that companies will need. So back to a cold, dark winter Monday morning in Sweden, having been dropped off at the gates of the port of Kappelscher in the north of the county of Stockholm. It's handily located right at the end of the E18 and therefore the ferries act as a kind of sea bridge for the motorway which continues across to Finland. So it's in Kappelscher that my Baltic journey began on board the Ropax vessel Europa Link. Where is it? Yes. Hi there. Thank you. Good morning. Good morning. 
I'm going to Finland. Oh, okay. <laughs> but I have a bicycle without a bicycle. Oh, okay. Uh, it's, yes. Do you have passports or ID? To travel from to Orland or Finland on Finlines, one currently needs a car or at least a bicycle when booking a ticket. But as I had neither, I got a lift the short journey from the gate onto the vessel's cargo deck via the main aft ramp. Europa Link was built in 2007 and has served in service with Finlines in the Baltic and the parent company Grimaldi in the Mediterranean over its life, being placed on that Sweden to Finland route about a year ago while the company awaits the arrival of two new buildings, they're called Fincanopus and Finsirius. They're coming into service later this year and next year and more about them later. It was on the deck of Europa Link that I met Nicholas Christiansen, the vessel's chief officer, checking out the loading plan and the ship stability in the aft cargo office while he waited for the Monday morning cargo to be driven on board. Yeah, in the, in this case I'm responsible for the cargo. I'm like a foreman on board. I'm responsible for, for almost all the work on board. I'm the the second after the captain, so, so everything that involves the work on board... I. That's that's my table. Do you do just the cargo, or do you do the navigation as well? Do you split the roles, the responsibilities here? Yeah, because we have to help each other. People have to eat, people have to sleep. So so it's a little bit you do everything. But my main purpose here is the cargo handling and uh, and not the navigation. All right. So this is the uh, cargo office. Cargo office. We uh, get access to to ballast system, healing system, and we also have the cargo loading program, uh, uh, NAPA. It's a very common program where it calculates all the stability and oh, yeah, it's a stability program. So now we are fully loaded. <laughs> yeah. Well, 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 we've loaded what we're going to load on we today's are, voyage. Yeah. Uh, I'm also finished with the ballast system. Today we will have a draft of 6.5. Not much, but enough. There is calm weather. Uh, we, I, I, I usually, or chief officer usually, talk with the, with the, the captain and we, we agree if, if it's a very bad weather, then we, of course, we have more tanks to fill. But we also know that when we arrive in Nantali this evening, we're going to have a full ship from there. So all the water have to go out. And that takes time. So do you have a ballast water treatment system yes, in there yes, as well? Is exactly. That, is that in that diagram that's in front yeah, of me here? It is. Uh, so this is an automatic system. Uh, so you, you actually just put in how much water you want in the tank and easily press start and everything solved by itself the things i do with this this is called balmarine and like you said it's uh, it's a uh, what i understand it's a part of the verzele mm. uh, i uh, keep um, control of the ballast we have the fresh water all the time when talking with me, Nicholas is in discussions with the shore personnel on a friendly way because this vessel comes in and out of these ports almost daily. And so over the months and even years, 
The crew and the shore personnel have got to know each other quite well, even to the point of being invited over to each other's houses for barbecues. Nicholas, it turns out, is Swedish and lives quite close to Kappelshare. However, not all the crew members do, coming from across Sweden, Finland and Orland Islands. But many have had similar beginnings of their careers. I write a lot about all of the changes with new fuels, ammonia and hydrogen and methanol. Yeah. I write about all the digitalization and autonomous systems that come onto ships and there's all this talk about different types of uh, solutions. Do you see an exciting industry when you look at all of that or is that slightly think, nervous for you? No, absolutely not. That, I think the opposite. I, I'm, I'm hunger for the new technology. That is like the main questions I have asked for, uh, for uh, about the, the new ships. What is the technology? Mm. Uh, what I understand is that we're going to continue on the, the, the fuel that we have now. But that's also something that the company safe up with. Uh, they, they don't want to be depending on a ship on a certain route. If something happens and they have to change route. And have you, have you noticed that there's a lack of interest with people around you to go to sea? If, if you're out, you go home frequently, the people around here will know that you're a seafarer when you're at home. Do you find people going, no, I don't understand why you want to be a seafarer all that time it's, on a ship away from home? Yeah, it's a very common question. I, I, I get it a lot. When, how can you work with this? If you get a family, how, how will it work? But what I have understand is that working as a seafarer, it's, I think it's a better life than, than most people at home have. If you calculate or, or think about it, that people work from 8 to 5, come home late evenings, they have kids, it's just a couple of hours be- before they go to sleep. When I'm home, I'm 100% home. Of yeah. course, it also means that my... my girlfriend, wife, whatever, have to take the responsibility for for 100% when I'm here also. But I think we have talked about this a lot and I think I, I think our life is it's not, at least not worse than other people's life. Yeah, yeah no, you get it. Yeah, and uh, if you don't have kids, yeah, then you have then, then you maybe have a girlfriend or, or boyfriend and uh, and uh, I have been working with this for my whole career I, I don't know anything else but I one thing I know is that that I appreciate my relationship a lot more because I'm away from from home so I leave Nicholas doing the last of the loading and getting ready to close the ship's ramps and stern doors and head up to the bridge to meet the captain and the line pilot, Anton. My name is uh, Anton Steinbach and I'm line pilot here at Europa Link. Yeah, the pilot is the officer on the watch. He's in charge of the bridge here and the officer is uh, yeah, it's like a pilot-co-pilot system and uh, it works pretty well here in the archipelago. So. I mean, there's a lot. How many manoeuvres would there be from leaving Orland to getting to Nantali? How many alterations, of course? How many waypoints? What sort of? I can see it on the chart there now. You've just yes. I would say it's about fifty around. That's fifty times the vessel's going to alter course between 
leaving Orland and getting to Nantley something like four or five hours later? Yeah, uh, it depends. We have also alternative routes and it depends on the route as well. But uh, So you have worked with Finlines all of your career? No, I was uh, earlier on uh, Birka Cargo, an Orland-based company and uh, on uh, Roro vessels. But you, you did your tickets, you got your certificate of competency in uh, in Orland, at the University in Orland? Yes, started in 2005 in school and from uh, there I got my ticket 2010, so I've been an officer for, uh, what is it, 13 years. Do you, do you find that there's been a lot of changes even over those, those years since you started in the industry and today? Yeah, it's been a lot of changes. For starters, when I started out as an officer, we were using paper charts. Now we're all, all electronic. Do you, do you, as a guy sort of working on the bridge and being interested in sort of the shipping industry, do you keep abreast of the changes that are going on when we're talking about new fuels and new ways of operating ships, even autonomous systems and unmanned ships? Yeah, of course, we uh, keep us up to date and uh, we read about it. Usually it's so far in the future, like, okay, the autonomous bridge has been, it's been uh, talking about that now for 10 years. And I think they have some small road ferry here in the Obo Archipelago that uh, they're trying something out. But for these vessels, it's so far in the future. Uh, then it's more maybe with the fuel, but that's not... I mean, the one thing that I see about these vessels is, I mean, they're not necessarily big vessels, but when you're going in between these islands and the boys, like there's one right now going a few metres down our port side, they seem quite large compared to the fairway. They're big enough, if we say so. Well, here in the archipelago we have, of course, the space between the boys, but uh, also the, the draft is uh, limit, limit yeah. here so as well. So this size is about the, a little bit bigger than this. But yeah, well, the new ones that are going to come in are a little bit larger, I've heard, um, and able to carry a lot more, well, a little bit more cargo and passengers. Yeah, that's for sure. They're about... Uh, one lane wider and is it 15 or 20 meters longer and the wind surface that's the big where it's the big change so the the amount of surface that can get hit by the wind and possibly knocked off course yeah and especially especially during maneuvering so there so. has to be that balance between being an expert at the job yeah and getting bored of the job if it's yeah repetitively sort of like but do you get at all I'm not saying that you, you, you would but just for the hell of it go a different route you said there's different routes to go around would you think oh okay tomorrow I'm going to take we're going to take that route yeah, instead of that sometimes route sometimes and if it's some other traffic yeah. Yeah. we don't want we try to avoid going yeah. the same route. that must make the summers a little bit more interesting then when you're trying to avoid all the sailing boats and yeah, yeah, motor yeah, boats yeah. and tourists you stay alert yeah. And also where you need the long experiences, all the different weather conditions. It's yeah. boring if it's zero wind for two weeks. Yeah. You think it a bit different if it's blowing 20 meters per second. Yes, yeah, so there's that old adage, you're not um, an officer because 
it's really exciting and everything's something exciting to do all the time, you're there because you know when to pull your finger out and act quickly. Oh, yeah, yeah, and especially here in the archipelago, it can go very quick with the small distances to islands and uh, boys and mm. say for once blackout somewhere where it's really narrow you have to react quickly yeah, put the anchor down <laughs> or something yeah yeah <laughs> we have some you can maneuver i leave the bridge and i head down towards the engine room to meet a newly appointed chief engineer nice to meet you how long have you been chief engineer <laughs> a couple of weeks now Permanently, I am a first engineer, but with the new vessels coming, the original chief engineer is occupied with the planning, and uh, I'm taking over for that time, but a couple of months. So we're going to go and try and get into the engine room, and now, and now it's getting noisy. That's the alarm saying that the door is opening for us to go into the engine room area. It's not the quickest of doors. And now down some stairs, of course. One needs stairs to get to the bottom of the ship, into the engine room. Here we are, in the control room. Now, and as ever in a control room, I see there are tea and biscuits. Uh, yeah, yeah, it, it keeps up the good team spirit. <laughs> One way of doing that. <laughs> so, you've been uh, chief engineer, you said, for just a couple of weeks now? Yeah. So what were you doing before you became an engineer? How long have you been at sea? Uh, from 2007. So before that I was uh, a senior design engineer on mobile phones. So different, totally different things and, and uh, requirements. And uh, in the end I found that not so satisfactory and uh, I enjoy being on maritime business much more. Uh, so I can I ask, how old, how old were you when you decided you were going to go to sea? Because I did so when I was about 17 years old. I was 45 and now I'm 60 and still enjoying my life. So, so when you, what made you go into the engineering world and not uh, deck, for example? or uh, Interest on machines, of course, and technology and uh, the eager to learn new things. So these ships are built 2007. So if I get this right, they've got four Vatila engines, two propellers. Yes, that's correct. Pitch propeller and uh, two soft generators, three auxiliary engines, uh, two of the uh, exhaust gas boilers and two oil fire boilers doing steam and warm. So how many engineer crew have you got? So there's a chief engineer, a second engineer, how many? Chief first, two second, two motorman for them, them uh, sanitary, electrician, is it nine, seven, or, uh, eight or nine? Nine. And they'll work two weeks on, two weeks off, yeah. the same as the deck? Yes, two weeks period, yeah. So what do you normally do during the day when you're here? Where are you? waiting for things to go wrong? Is there a lot of maintenance to do? Um, are you waiting for the orders from the bridge to tell you when to uh, when things are happening when you're going in and out of ports? All of that in a good good mess. So <laughs> we are waiting for the worst but uh, preparing to, to, uh, to that and uh, 
maintenance in this ship takes quite a lot of time due to the age but well that is the same thing with with every vessel so it's normal but you've got these new ships that are going to be joining this route so are you likely to be going over to the new ships uh, I'm looking forward to that, yes, because I want to learn new things and, uh, and uh, like new challenges always. So we'll see how it goes. Since 2000 and uh, when was it, 2007, when you sort of made the decision to come into the industry, have you seen a lot of engineering changes and have you, do you think that there's going to be a lot more? Is it going to be an exciting period? I believe the, the pace of... Uh, new technologies it's increasing so I think it's the, the most most uh, how, how would you I say action is upcoming with the new technologies with these uh, hybrid technologies and uh, everything that comes with those batteries and and uh, re- renewable uh, energy sources yeah but it must be a big change in terms of what you need to know, because yeah. you're suddenly going to become a electrical engineer, a battery engineer. That's that's correct. So it is a uh, yeah. You need to to uh, achieve new new uh, areas of expertise. Mm. Indeed. Are there any similarities you see between where the industry is going and what you saw in the mobile phone industry? You could say so. Yes, because they're the the. Uh, uh, Big big change happened earlier. This this industry, maritime industry, is coming kind of a, a behind, 20 years behind, but it's coming, taking the same steps. Yeah. As Europa Link leaves Longnes in Orland and begins the winding journey through the thousands of small islands, islets, rocks, and buoys, I visit the vessel's passenger area where there's a bar and restaurant for tourists and travellers. It's hard on days like this not to sit and daydream when watching the archipelago go past the windows. The company's new vessels that are coming onto this route, they're larger. They've got larger windows and more amenities as the company tries to entice families to take this Capelshire Nantley route rather than with the longer routes being offered by its two main rivals between Sweden and Finland. But today, as I sail in midwinter, On the old vessels, the restaurant and rest areas are fairly quiet, so it gives me a chance to talk with Julia and Marl, who are responsible for passenger care, both on the Europa Link and then hopefully on the new ships when they arrive. Marold is a senior purser, while Julia would be the first face anybody would see when they come on board, being behind the reception, and then once the vessel leaves, working in the bar and the duty-free shop. So I asked her about her decision to start working on a ship. I like traveling, I like to see people, I like to this view, what there is, ocean, this is very different, like I'm working in the country. So what, what do you think about sort of this whole industry? Because one of the things that we see in the whole, in the whole shipping industry is that not a lot of people really know about it and not a lot of people want to go to sea, not a lot of people, not a lot of women either want to actually take a career in this industry and it might be slightly different in the hotel side of things I guess but in terms of actually sort of taking a career at sea or taking a career that involves sort of living and working on a ship I don't know that one yes no no 
because now this is uh, uh, like new normal we working. Okay. Yes. What do you mean? Yeah. Like, um, how can I explain that? Okay. Uh, I think you are going to uh, answer uh, about uh, the life. Yeah. It is lifestyle. Yes, because uh, uh, whole world changes and uh, people wants to making different things. Mary, you've been in the industry a little bit longer than Julia, perhaps. Yes, I think I have. I have How have you seen things change? Because you've not always worked at Finlines, you've worked on other ferry operators around yes. the Baltic. True. Um, so you're probably a little bit more sort of familiar with the whole kind of Baltic tourist mm, yeah. freight, cruise, passenger ferry sort of yes, mix. Yes, exactly. Yeah. How, do you, how has it changed over the years? Uh, it has been changed a little bit and now the passengers start to find also other announcement than the typical Finnish boat when we are mm. talking about. Now the people are, they are waiting more service and they are also interested about green values, which is very important to Finland's and also to the, my co-operators and the workers who I have working here with me in the duty. So now the young people, they know very well the green values, they like that, that in here in the ferries that we are doing the recycling thing and we are using the recycled materials even in the new su superstar vessels which are coming. So hmm. that is something which we have to look forward all the time, what is happening. And then, um, is that true? Do you look at what a company like Finlines is doing and do you look at their environmental picture? Do yes. you look at them and think, oh, they're sustainable, I want to... Uh, and um, that social media, uh, now, uh, I made in, I taking picture on social media on this ferry and uh, sending and making Instagram stories or picture that we got more Exposure? Yeah, mm -hmm. yes. because uh, yeah. it's also new normal. If I was a passenger, mm -hmm. to come on to the Finland's vessel, I have to have a car, really, oh, yeah. or a bicycle, mm -hmm. yes. yes. But I mean, if I was just a foot passenger, I couldn't very easily get to Kappelsche. Uh But that's why we got this new... Superstar vessels. Super yeah. then, then it started to be possible. I think that maybe there is coming a new bus, bus line, and also in the Finnish side. Yeah. There is, it's much more yeah. easier maybe to come to Natalie yeah. than from Stockholm to Kopenhagen. So are you going to be working on the new ships then? You hope? I hopefully. Yeah. I hope. <laughs> <laughs> there is more uh, restaurant, yeah. cafe, uh, and there is a um, lounge uh, and under the star uh, on deck. It's like a winter quarter, winter more or less. Yes. Yeah, so basically even in the winter you can sit out under the stars. Yes, we have a... Well, it's soon time for me to leave Europa Link. It's Monday evening and we're coming into Nantley where my journey continues to Helsinki. I mentioned in the start of this episode that the Baltic Sea is important for many reasons and one of those is its environmental sensitivity. Because it is virtually landlocked, it is more like a lake than a sea. It's brackish and all the rivers and the land runoff from the nine countries surrounding it, they all go into the Baltic. This includes obviously all the waste, any pollution, agricultural runoff, with its high loads of nutrients, particularly nitrogen. 
which leads to the sea becoming famous for its eutrophication in the summer and the curse of the blue-green algae that thrives. It kills off habitats, livelihoods, making resource management difficult and it impacts beaches, making them dangerous to swim in and doing a lot of bad for the tourism. So who better to talk to about the health of the Baltic than HELCOM? It's the intergovernmental organisation bringing together the Baltic states to try and restore like the sea's health. So these algal blooms are very a very dramatic symbol and a symptom of, uh, of eutrophication. Now eutrophication is, as I said, the single most important threat. Um, it affects roughly 96% of the sea, so basically the entire Baltic Sea all open sea areas and considerable um, parts of, of, of coastal waters as well. And it has dramatic effects because, of course, it leads to areas which um, are hypoxic, which means they don't have enough oxygen, or even anoxic, which means they have no oxygen at all. And that's the infamous dead zones in the Baltic Sea. So I think anybody can easily grasp how dramatic. So welcome back to the second episode of the Baltic Tour on the Aronax podcast, where I start in Helsinki visiting Helcom to talk about the health of the Baltic, then head off to Vuasari Port to join the Finline's passenger row row Finlady for the southbound trip all the way through the Baltic to Travemund in Germany. Until then, bon voyage. <laughs>